Hello, music teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 92 of the Beyond Measure podcast. Christina Whitlock here, your anytime piano teacher friend, looking forward to hanging out a bit today and sharing what's inside my brain. (laughs) As promised last week, today we are talking about what I have chosen as my primary goal for the 2022-23 academic year. So, are you ready? (laughs) I'll give you the big reveal right now. Drum roll, please. (laughs) This year, I am focusing on improving my communications to studio parents. All right, let's do this thing. All right, so I don't even entirely know why. But if there is one common struggle facing, like, every group I know in the 21st century, it's communication. You know I'm right. I mean, every organization, every group, every school, every club, any attempt at bringing more than one human being together, they all seem to struggle on the communication front. I suspect it has something to do with the fact that we just have too many different ways of communicating now, and we all have different preferences that we feel like should be catered to by whatever the group may be, but I don't know. There's something more than that. I am just constantly dumbfounded at how difficult it is to get 21st century humans to show up at the same time for the same goal. (laughs) Or sometimes it's the opposite. It's about getting them not to show up, right? (laughs) I remember sitting with friends at lunch the last time MTNA was held in Las Vegas many years ago. And I very vividly remember sitting at lunch and receiving a text message from one of my studio parents saying, So, do we have lessons today? (laughs) And it was such a, like, facepalm moment because, okay, let's see. My studio closings had been distributed on a printed calendar um, at the beginning of the school year. Multiple emails had been sent throughout the year reminding families of the studio closings. I texted individually to each parent the week before that we weren't having lessons, (laughs) I posted cute little reminders of studio closings on Facebook and Instagram. And yet still, after all of those things, I still got a text asking if we had lessons that day. (laughs) And I know that every teacher has similar versions of the same story. And really, I have versions of the same story from both sides of the coin, from church events, school sports, community groups, academic clubs, classroom teachers, friend groups. I mean, why is communication so hard these days? I wish I had an answer for you today on that, friends, but I don't. (laughs) Sorry if that's a big letdown. Here is what I do know. My studio families are investing in me and, of course, in their children. So I want to do everything in my power to communicate optimally with them, 
even if it does cause me a deep sigh every once in a while. I'm not here today to talk about systems or really even strategies so much, but I really wanted to talk about how important it is to make sure we are truly considering how we communicate with studio parents and where we might be able to improve on that front. I started giving parental communications a lot of thought probably last school year as I began to consider the large number of conversations I've had with school teachers regarding the behavior of students in their classrooms. If I haven't made it clear enough already on this podcast, I am a huge supporter of school classroom teachers. <laughs> so please do not interpret anything I'm about to say as a criticism, all right? <laughs> I am team teacher all the way. But it has become apparent to me that classroom teachers, surely due to their overwhelming amount of responsibilities, are not always proactive in reporting back to parents how their students are behaving or responding in class. As a teacher, it's actually really easy to assume that parents know how their child is behaving in class. When, in actuality, parents really have no clue how their children are behaving in class without communications from the teacher. If you have children of your own, you know they often behave better in school than they do at home. Or even if that's not the case, they definitely behave differently in school than they do at home, right? Through various interactions with friends and teachers last year, I began to realize how frequently parents are kind of in the dark on what their child is like in class. Now, of course, serious concerns are generally taken care of. And I'm not talking about anyone with needs that are being ignored or anything particularly dangerous. But I'm talking about observations in personality, in focus, or other things. I think, again, in the overwhelming workload of the school teacher, combined with the routine of spending every single day with those students, it's easy to assume that parents know every tendency of their child, how they respond to stress, how they conduct themselves in the classroom or at recess, etc. When, in actuality, parents don't know these things until someone tells them. So, okay, now you're wondering, what does any of this have to do with a music studio? Well, at least in my opinion, plenty. Let me say this first. If you require parents to sit in on their children's lessons, obviously, this is not so much of a struggle. A parent sitting in the room is obviously observing how their child is responding to your questions. They witness how they play, how quickly they are to make corrections, how insightful they are in their observations, all the things. But 
I think it's increasingly less common for teachers to require parental involvement in the lesson. And I definitely think it's less common for parents to voluntarily want to sit in on the lesson. So, if you routinely work with a student without the parent present, I want you to consider what you assume the parent knows about their child. (laughs) Seriously, I want you to choose one student from your week whose parent does not come and sit in on their lesson. Just one. (laughs) Picture that one student right now and imagine that student in their lesson and consider the elements of their character as they interact with you. Consider how they respond to your feedback. How often you need to redirect them back to the task at hand. Or, on the flip side, how focused they are in a remarkable way throughout the lesson. Consider their energy levels while you are together. Consider any quirks you notice about them. (laughs) Do they have any interesting habits? (laughs) Do they seem hyper-focused on a particular subject or idea? How willing are they to try new things in general? These are all aspects of this young person's approach to music lessons that you probably assume parents already know and understand. But I'm here to tell you, you could likely be very wrong about that. People are funny in music lessons. Students of every age, even adult students, often behave very differently on the piano bench in front of me than they do in any other aspect of life. Someone incredibly confident in their everyday life might find themselves trembling and stumbling over their words when faced with the task of learning an instrument. At the same time, individuals who are timid and appear almost afraid to take up space in their everyday life might find great confidence behind an instrument. I see it happen all the time, and I bet you do too. But if I make the mistake of assuming that parents know this about their children in lessons, I risk being very wrong. I cannot reiterate enough. Students often behave very differently in front of their music teacher than they do any other time. And I had this light bulb type of moment last year when I began to realize just how wrong I might have been in my assumptions of what parents know about our lesson time together. So I say all of those things to get to this. (laughs) My number one point of focus for my studio this year is parental communication. I want to be in regular contact with my studio families concerning much more than logistics. I don't want to just be in touch regarding studio closings and recital dates. And I should probably say this, that I don't think I was particularly bad at this before, but I just know I can do it so much better. And I have decided that it matters enough to me that it becomes my priority this year. So the question becomes, 
what am I going to do about this, right? (laughs) I mean, I do not want to add a bunch of extra admin hours to my calendar so that I can deal with all these studio communications, right? I mean, this is why we aren't better at it in the first place, right? Communication takes time. Well, I'll tell you, I have a few ideas for today, and I'm sure we'll be looking at this topic more later in the year. A good place to start is the fact that I have an entire episode on written student evaluations, and that episode inserts itself perfectly into this conversation. I certainly am not going to repeat the entire thing here, but I will just say a few things about writing student evaluations. So first of all, I cannot reiterate enough. Writing student evaluations is every bit as much good for you as it is for your students and their families. In episode 14, that's my episode on written evaluations, But I talk about how Diane Heidi refers to student evaluations as a way to, like, sharpen your saw, which is actually an idea probably better attributed to Stephen Covey. I always, like, kick myself when I listen to that episode and realize I neglected to say that. But regardless of who said it first, if there is any room for improvement in your work with a student you are going to discover it when you are writing their evaluation. Giving myself purposeful time to reflect and set goals for each individual student is easily the most beneficial thing I do for my students and for myself. And again, it's going to help keep parents in the loop, which I love. (laughs) Secondly, it doesn't actually have to take as much time as you think it's going to. These do not have to be super in-depth reports, nor do you have to do every student's at once. Again, I'll link that episode in the show notes for you to check out. Um, But if you're listening to this and thinking that you just don't have time to make this happen, let me just say I hope you'll rethink that plan. Third, and this is just a confession, as strongly as I feel about the benefits of written evaluations, I did not do them last year. (laughs) I had too many students and was simply treading water for most of last year. So, as always, even though this might be ideal, sometimes you do just have to do what you can do. (laughs) And for me, last year, it was taking the year off of written evaluations. It wasn't necessarily the right or the wrong call to make. It's just what I did. As I was intentionally downsizing my studio this last summer, I leveraged the fact that parents would see increased communications from me as part of the new benefits they were going to receive for their increased tuition. (laughs) And again, It's not like I feel like I was doing it poorly before. I just know I can do it better. So promising more frequent communication gave me something tangible that I could offer as a benefit to my families. 
So beyond three written evaluations per year, I'm not here today to announce I'm utilizing any wild new apps or programs to help me out on this front. I am just staying really intentional about communications, and I'm trying to increase the scope of what I communicate. For example, I like to send quick, casual texts to parents probably at least once a month. I tend to crank these out as I'm like winding down for the evening, and I think I'm going to actually track the parents that I send text updates to each month just to make sure I'm actually getting through everybody. I also like to use my studio Instagram account to serve as kind of an online scrapbook of our year's activities. Facebook, same story. I am horrendous at following through to post there, though, (laughs) so I am going to aim for a goal this year of posting at least once per week to the studio accounts, and I'm going to see how that goes. I think I can motivate myself if I lump it together with this focus on increasing parental communications. Okay, so let's just say, hypothetically, you are thinking, yeah, Christina, I think I could improve on studio communications as well, but what do I really need to communicate, (laughs) right? Legitimate question. So in case you feel like your studio communication talking points need a little bit of a revival, (laughs) um, I have compiled a list of 20 different ideas of things you can communicate to your studio families. And I am going to be sending those out this week in my email newsletter. I call that the Insider Report. So if you are not already on that mailing list, make sure you jump into the show notes for this episode, click the link that says be my email buddy, and you will automatically be subscribed to the Beyond Measure Podcast Insider Report. Super fun, low maintenance. I don't send a ton of emails, so I'm not going to fill up your inbox, Uh, but it's just one more way we can kind of keep in touch with each other throughout the week. So that's that. I have to take a quick second and give a shout out to my friend Amy Chaplin over at the Piano Pantry podcast because she has a terrific episode. I believe it's number 21 of her podcast, the Piano Pantry podcast. Um, And that is all about ways to make your student evaluations even more dynamic. And in her case, what she's referring to as student evaluations are actually year-end meetings with studio parents and students. So, That is something that I am working to implement this year. In fact, my goal is to actually have like a kind of bring your parent to your piano lesson um, week in September. And I'm going to do that in September and I'm going to do it again in May. Now, hold me accountable here. (laughs) I've said it here first. (laughs) But in those meetings, I'm going to use some of Amy's strategies that she explains in episode 21 of the Piano Pantry podcast just to help make sure that parents feel incredibly involved in this process. So make sure you go check that out. I will, again, link that show in the notes for this episode. 
I am going to wrap up this conversation for today, but I hope you are inspired by my goal to communicate better with studio families this year. Again, families are investing in us to provide this musical education to their children, their most precious belongings on this earth. (laughs) And it's incredibly important that we are taking the effort to communicate adequately with them rather than falling into the trap of assuming things they simply don't know. And with that, here's a toast to you. Music teacher friends from all over the world, I am raising my glass to you today and acknowledging all the things you do as a teacher of music that are not actually related to teaching music. You know so much more about the students sitting in front of you than you probably even realize. I hope you are encouraged today to make sure that you are sharing these insights, when appropriate, with your studio families. As a parent, I know I am always grateful for adults who choose to pour into my daughter's lives and I welcome any insights they have for me, constructive or otherwise. So may you feel appreciated, respected, and trusted by the families you choose to work with as well. Cheers to you, my music teacher friends. Hear, hear. just like that, episode number 92 is in the books. Woo! <laughs> Quick reminder, if you want to receive that printable regarding communication topics for parents, make sure you hop into the show notes and join the email list. Or if you're having trouble with that, send me an email at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always DM me on socials and I'll get right back to you. Don't forget to support the show by signing up for the Patreon community. Your monthly donation of $3 or $6 really helps keep this podcast coming on out. (laughs) Thank you, thank you for listening and telling your friends about the Beyond Measure podcast. I adore this audience and am continually humbled by the number of you who listen each and every week. Onward and upward, teacher friends! Let's tackle this week in great big ways, shall we? 